Welcome to another episode of Artifacts, where we discuss how our lives affect art inside out. I am your host, Jade Hassel, and today we have a very special guest, the musically gifted Derek G. Born in a musical household, son of the legendary guitarist Derek Simmons Sr., Derek G is no stranger to the art scene. Since the age of 6, Derek has been immersed in music whether it's been behind the scenes producing, writing, and recording or front and center in the spotlight performing live and directing. He has always thrived in his creativity. Mentored by West African drum masters, Bermuda's finest engineers and musicians, Derek G has gone on to write and produce many records and hit songs for local musicians and artists. He has also taken the local entertainment scene by storm by founding Bermuda's award-winning music giant DIA in 2010, completing two international tours with the Chustik Foundation and performing at almost every stage possible in Bermuda. He has recently initiated a solo project series featuring Bermuda's top musical talents in a raw, uncut style of performance titled "Io Vibes" with Derek G. Whether he's performing bass or percussions, Derek G continues to enchant us with his new, ever-evolving skills and sounds. It was such an honor to be in conversation with Derek as he has contributed love and unwavering commitment to the Bermuda music community. If you would like to connect with Derek, you can find him on Instagram at derekg.bda, on Twitter at the real Derek G, and by email at derekg.bda1 at gmail.com. Good afternoon, Derek. Welcome to the Artifacts podcast. We're super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure. Excited about this. <laughs> Yes, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to share with everybody how I actually know Derek. We actually went to the same high school, so we've known each other for over ten years, and it's just been beautiful being able to watch how your career has blossomed and how you know you're still doing exactly the same thing that you were committed to years ago. So it's amazing everything that you're doing with your music and what you're doing、um, within the music community in Bermuda. But can you talk a little bit about what it was like growing up for you, having a legend like your dad, Derek Simmons, as a musician in the household? Growing up, I was used to music, like you know what I mean. Like it, it's like I came out of the room with music around me. Like my mother was like a big music lover, and、mm-hmm. my dad having like guitar and equipment and stuff around the house all the time. That also came with like meeting a lot of people that were like well versed in the music industry here in the entertainment industry and. Knowing them personally before I even got to know who who they were and what they actually did and how important they were to Bermuda's music scene. So,、um, big names like Keith Casey,、mm-hmm. uh, Meshka, Winston DeGraff, Sia Spence,、um, Sean Hayward, like the yeah, the big names, Tony Fox. Yeah, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like, it, like all of these people were、uh, in my household. Like, and I, you know, they watched me grow up. So.、Um, That that was a blessing in itself, and I guess I didn't really have a choice. Like I was always given a choice to do what I wanted to do, but、um, it's kind of hard to choose, you know, for guitar and equipment just sitting in you know the living room. Right. Hard, <laughs> like I ignore that, but、um, yeah, it, it was it was it was a bit crazy. Like it was normal to me, but as as I got older, I realized like I was actually fortunate to have that、yes. around me. 
that was a blessing. Yeah. I mean, you had it like literally right at your fingertips. I mean, some people were killed to have those kinds of influences. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, like right in their life, like especially from a young age. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, like you were saying, your path was kind of already chosen for you. Yeah. And you just had to tap into it yourself. Um, I yeah. know that you also grew up being mentored by West African master dramas. Can you share with us what that experience was like? I'm sure that was pretty interesting. Yeah, so that all started from my mother making me um, go to African dance, like African dance class and drumming. And that was like every Saturday morning. And when I say like she made me, like I didn't want to go. Me and my right. sister, we weren't really <laughs> too educated on like our heritage as being African people. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that's, you know, more or less, I guess how history is taught in Bermuda, I guess, speaks a lot to that. So mm-hmm. um, we went to Bermuda African Dance Company at the time, which was run by a Skelly Broadbelt and Sor- her husband, Sorafal Broadbelt. And I learned directly under Mike Simmons. He taught me djembe. That was like the first instrument I learned how to play. Mm-hmm. And I think of, that was like around six or seven. And then like when I was like eight or nine, we actually had a um a guy from Ghana, Accra, Accra, Ghana, and um nice. He's from the, the Vulture region. He actually lives in Toronto. His name is Quasi Danyu. So he's a he's an actual drum master in West Africa, and he came down to um to Bermuda to show us like a few songs and how to like you know basically like recite the songs right. in Awe. So we were like learning an African, like we had to start from singing, we had to learn to dance, we had to learn to drum, like everything all in order. And then we, like, we, we gained full understanding of what we were actually doing and what everything was all about, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. And he decided to take us to um, Ghana. I don't think all of us went, but the majority of us saved up money. And I think there's something that Askele and Sorfa were doing for some time, like they were doing like a culture exchange, like taking Bermudians over there to, Oh, that's amazing. Of, you know, get that full circle of where we came from and right and luckily enough like my expenses were all paid for and i was able to go with my mother for like a month basically we were in a village in dagbamete which is in the vulture region Ghana. Was i incredible. started for about three weeks and i think i finished early before everyone else and i had like plenty of time to run around and actually like you know spend time with like, the kids and connect with people which was like one of the most groundbreaking moments of my life i'm sure oh my goodness that sounds incredible i actually haven't been to ghana yet but it's definitely on my bucket list but i'm sure that experience like literally changed the course of your life and like connected you back to roots that you weren't even like thinking about or you know could even imagine that's yeah yeah it's, it's crazy like like in i was like in five or six at the time and like at that age everyone's like you know jokey jokey childish like everything's a joke and everything's cotton candy and fun right but like it's like little jokes of like you know people like will say like african titty washer or like you know what i mean like just just silly little comments and stuff yeah and it becomes like you don't realize how silly it is until you get there and you realize like 
we're actually at a lower standard of living than they are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. they, like they regard themselves at so, like, we're so little, like, so much higher, like, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, how they view us is, is crazy as well because they kind of look at us as, like, oh, you guys should be, like, period, like, over there and everything so good. But, like, you're looking, like, where, where they are and you're like, no, this is, like, no, should, like, we should all be here. Like, we shouldn't be over there. Like, it's not mm -hmm. as it seems, like, you know what I mean? And they don't quite get that until they, you know, they make that passage over there. Right. And you then, see, you can see it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, definitely. And then also, too, I think, you know, comments like that, like, you know, we're used to it when we're young and we're growing up. But it's also like an internalized policing of ourselves as yeah. well. Um, that yeah. we obviously when we're young, we don't really understand like where that's coming from. But it's definitely like a deep self-hatred yeah, that, sure. that's been like passed on for sure. Yeah, like even before like I went well, we all went like it was tough like in the 24th of May parade like I was playing you know in different recitals you were open in different events and functions and stuff we'll play and perform and like sometimes like I would get teased like you know what I mean for what I was wearing like you know the, the fabrics and whatnot and right. the sneakers and like but people don't understand like they have no clue what it represents and what it is to us like you know what I mean and mm -hmm. also like what we mean to the culture like we should be embracing it but like for so many years we didn't like you know yeah do you feel like that's starting to change now like that people are becoming more aware of yeah, our connection with the, with the internet it's creating like you know the knowledge is all there all the information's there so like if you don't want to know like that's really up to you to be ignorant about it but like at this point it shouldn't be anyone black and Bermuda thinking that they have nothing to do with being African like that's absurd that's that's yeah. an absurd thought but I think um if anybody's in doubt about that like I think that's that's it's really on them like it's, it's too easy to find information on you know how, how it all began and, and how we got to where we are now but um I think with like on a more positive note like African music, like Afrobeat, is like very widespread now. Like mm -hmm. even sub genres of African music, like soca, dancehall, reggae, are like world renowned yes. genres now. Like you know, like once upon a time, like reggae wasn't something you'd see on MTV all the time. Now it's like a normal thing. You mm -hmm. know, it's interesting in just seeing like how African culture. And its subcultures like uh, Jamaican music, reggae music, soca have become like mainstream mm -hmm. and how our culture has become like globalized, like how popular yeah. culture today is based on African and black culture. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. Like, le like legit right now, pop music is literally dancehall Afrobeat. It's yes. like there's no top 40 song without that you know what I mean? That rhythm going on, like it, everything has to have some sort of like dancehall influence or um, even like a, a reggae chink to it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's so many top 40 songs on right now with like elements of it in there. Like it, it's it's almost normal. Like if you don't have that in your song, like it's, it's going to get lost in this. It's either it goes in that box or this box. Right. And, you know the top 40 box gets played everywhere and it's respected and it's a respected song but it's only decided by you know i guess the people at the top at the academy and you know mm -hmm. and all they decide like this is going to be the song for the world now um, right and like it's it's like so globalized now it's, it's like where do you 
where do you even draw the line of what what is and what isn't like it's that that mm-hmm. i think that's where it is now but um i don't think it's necessarily a negative thing because i mean i mean yeah i think it's time, a great like, thing i think it's a great thing that yeah because like the world is like, embracing our music, culture yeah for sure like even like in the uk like you see like a lot of um you know white people though they, they'll put not like tiktok videos to you know afrobeat and dancehall music like that was never mm-hmm. a fault of my head you know when i was like you know 18 20 like that was not what like i would have never imagined that <laughs> right exactly it's interesting seeing stuff like that now though like how yeah black culture and african culture has become you know accepted at yeah. least more accepted um, by other groups of people. It's an interesting sure. time to be alive. <laughs> I must say, it, it really much. is. Especially with like all the recent events that, that have been happening and stuff. A very, very interesting time. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I think music though, music is one of those um, things like art that in my opinion should be universal anyway. Like music yeah. connects people and brings people together. And so I love, I love when I see people like vibing and, you know, just having a good time because music is supposed to make us feel good. I mean, like literally, could you imagine a world without music? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what would be life? (laughs) Well, think of every big event that's ever happened, like on TV, like you look at the Olympics, you look at World Cup, um, Mm -hmm. Cup match, everything has a theme song or some thing about it that ties to music. Like Super Bowl, everybody watches the commercials, but like halftime show is the most watched part. Exactly, you know people I mean? just people come for see. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that, and that's strictly like music, so it's never like you know like theatrical or try something different this year. Like it's surefire music, and mm-hmm. like yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how like that has a huge impact on how how people you know, gravitate towards a certain event. Yeah, definitely. I mean, music is the way of the world, the reason why we have so much joy. I mean, I think yeah. about just like simple everyday life and I just couldn't even imagine mm-hmm. like not having music in my everyday life. It becomes like a part of us. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's like vitamins. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so it, it's You wake beautiful. up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm in a chill mood. I want to listen to this playlist. And then that playlist takes you to the mood you want to be in. Yeah. And then you might want to, switch your mood and then you play the next playlist like like imagine a world where you couldn't do that exactly and because music like literally transports <laughs> us it transports our spirits and our our bodies even yeah. uh, to a different place a, a more peaceful and beautiful place so thank you for yeah. your contribution and you know doing everything that you're doing in the Bermudian community as far as like putting on your different sessions i think it's awesome yeah that's that's been fun <laughs> Yeah, you actually have a new project out, the acoustic recording of Sinead and Mike's song, Mirage. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the Sunset series that you've been doing? So the Sunset series is a new addition to what I just rebranded it as IO Vibes with Derek G. Mm-hmm. And the day before it was Outdoor Vibes, and that's why I started it. And it was just strictly like outdoor acoustic sessions with Bermudian artists performing the pieces of work rather if it was like a fusion club or strict or strict 100% original or rendition of the original we started off with a different series it was the 
Tree Frog series, the Kiss Kitty series, which would be during the day, um, right. Long Tail series, which would be like on South Shore of the beaches. And mm-hmm. I think we did a few other ones and then I started to do the indoor sessions during the winter. And eventually coming up with the idea of doing Sunset, I don't think we actually did any Sunset ones. And I think with the vibe of the song when Sinead had sent it to me, because this wasn't uh, her first one she had done Two prior to this, she had did one outdoor and one indoor one. And mm-hmm. I think she wanted to just aim for something different with her new EP just being launched, um, which is available now as well. Um, yes, get that. Go get that. Um, so yeah, be sure to get grab that EP. And um, yeah, basically, she wanted a different vibe for that. So we decided to shoot at a you know, sunset. And it wasn't... On purpose, it actually happened by accident. We were shot all the time, but like on the video and the visuals and everything, it just came out great. Like everything worked nice. out for that. Yeah, that was such so, a beautiful um, video. Oh my goodness, I loved it. Thanks, Bosby. He's the videographer for that one. <laughs> yes, I did see that he shot that. Does he always shoot your different sessions? More or less, his I guess um involved in a more um integral role. Like he either rather his performing or assisting with you know capturing the the footage or mm-hmm. like just you know just assisting with the aesthetic. Like he's always kind of been a pretty much an instrumental part of the IO vibe session. Nice. Well, everybody check out yeah. these sunset sessions. It's awesome. I love what you're doing, and I also think it's really cool that you have kind of like branded it and kind of shaped it around Bermudian culture, like calling it Kiss Kitty and Long Tail. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because all, all of that cool. just happened as it as it ran on. Like we, I think we did one, and I didn't even know what to call it. I just, I, I just thought in my mind like outdoor sessions with Derek G, outdoor vibes with Derek G. Right. And I was strictly thinking outdoor, you know, camera point and shoot. I don't want nothing fancy, just me, the artist or musician. And basically, they're just performing a song that they would want to perform in a style that they've never never done it before. So it might be a song that has no instruments in it, just completely electronic. And they want to maybe get across to a different audience and hear them in a different light. Like, you know right. what I mean? So um but rich in a, in a few instances we had like a few rappers that you know, they strictly rap on certain beats and with them going on an acoustic performance of live instruments it gives you know listeners a chance to actually hear what they're saying because they're not biased as to her in like 808s and hi-hats mm-hmm. the first thing they heard before they even heard them or like auto-tune they're just like it's raw like they're literally like, like listening to them with no filter no no compression no anything no effects on the voice just like everything should fall right so um that that was the initial idea is just to kind of get that going and then like i think it was one of them we ran into an issue where the tree folks were just like all over the mic audio and you were like oh no we we can't put this out and then i thought about it i was like no man. that's cool yeah like we can't i can't get rid of it it's part of the culture like you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and like it's funny like after that like like a whole summer of doing like Tree Fork Sessions, I actually decided to start recording. And like all of my new music that I'm releasing for the past few years all has like Tree Fork in the background. Right. That's a staple Bermudian song. <laughs> yeah. Like any Bermudian that, that's been off island knows, like you, like you go to sleep in a country and it's all quiet and everything's just too quiet. Yeah. You can't quite go sleep properly, right? It's not, it's not like you don't sit well until you hear like Tree Fork or something. Yes. And it's funny because you don't realize it when you're home. 
But like you right. say, when you are in other places, it's so quiet and it doesn't like register like shit, something's missing. But then when you're not home and you hear it, you're like, oh, that's what it is. Yep. I'm, I'm missing the <laughs> truth all. <laughs> you go to sleep all night, like everything is all like back to normal, like you feel at home. Yeah, so I think that's really cool that you've allowed that to, you know, continue to show up in the recordings because, yep. yeah, that's super unique to our culture. Yeah, something like a lot of people frown upon and look down upon, like, oh, you got three folks bleeding in the background. But, like, you know, if you write control and if you do it on purpose, like, you know what I mean? That's a whole different element because, mm-hmm. like, it's a lot of songs that people hear play on, like, thousands and thousands of times. And they probably have no clue that it's three folks in the background. And it, it's probably soothing to the ears as to why they're listening to these songs and not even right. understanding it. They may not even yeah. know specifically what it is. They might have thought like yeah. it could have been something that you created, like an artificial sound instead right. of like exactly. you know, something like some natural. Synthesizer or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's really crazy. cool. Yeah, that's that's dope. Speaking of like making different changes on um, different audio recordings, how do you approach the sensitive task of discussing changes and rearrangements with artists when you're recording? I usually well. The studio, I like to, like, I only like to work with certain artists in the studio because that's, like, a unique, intimate experience. And in my opinion, like, I, over the years, like, I've worked with, you know, the masses of people and, you know, like, mm-hmm. just opening up shop to anybody that comes in and wants to pay. And for me, that mm-hmm. kind of got trained and, like, I got really exhausted. Like, I was doing that every night, like, fresh out of high school. Like, I two different studios nightly and like it just gets exhausting dealing with different personalities different egos and some people that just don't have the same mindset or the same drive as the next person that you would enjoy working with and I decided to take a break and um when I like started to do it again I just started working with select people I didn't want to you know what I mean just deal with anybody so my workflow is like really easy you know I guess in the um, aspect that like I don't deal with you know certain people so um if it's like a song that I've produced on like I like to kind of tailor the song like around the artist but also like leave room for them to kind of do what they hear and what they feel and then after they do that like I'll look to make more adjustments and changes around that to to make it mash and blend even more like I, um, I think that's as a producer that's like what you should be striving for is to kind of bring your idea and the client or the artist's idea as close together as possible mm-hmm. so more like it's a collaboration around. yeah it should always be a collaboration i don't mm-hmm. think like i know a lot of people look at it as a business and you know sale 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 but like you can sell a million songs and make a lot of money and just sell it to anybody and you know it songs out it's said and done i have my money i'm cool but you know those songs might not get played anywhere like you know what i mean and that's cool and all but i I didn't start producing for that like i wanted to make an impact like especially with comedian artists like i really think like we have a lot of unique artists here yes we do and they can go far but i think a lot of them never make it that far because they don't have anybody in the corner to direct them or show them what they should be doing or what they could be doing like you know like so right. um i feel like that's a big role i've played like in the past few years of my i guess my addition to the bermuda 
music industry as a producer. Like I, I, I like to think that all the artists I've worked with, I've given them a, a chance to explore the artistry a bit more than what they're used to. So I know like a, a lot of artists I work with, they like to come in with their ideas, but I like to push them also a little bit further than what they're thinking about, you know, just to kind of help them open up a bit. Like, and right. you know, that might create something different to listen to something more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like to me what you're speaking about is like this idea of relationship building, like not just, you know, okay, mm-hmm. we're coming together and we're just going to make music and then thanks, see you later. But that you're really yeah. being selective with like the people that you want to cultivate relationships with and, you know, help to grow their artistry and grow and beyond music and, you know, intertwine in different things into their yeah. lives. And I think that's extremely important. That's necessary. Thanks for that. Yeah. Like we need more people within the community who have this mindset and this drive and also this willingness to approach artists in that way. For sure. And like it, it's a few people are like like I don't want to name everybody, I don't want to leave nobody out either, but like the first people that come to mind that kind of also push that same mindset. Um, you know, Kali of Wave Nation. Um you know, he was formerly known as, I guess, the engineer for them boys and mm-hmm. also um, Shamari, Shamari Warner, like, you know what I mean? His, his one of those as well. Um, Steve Easton's past, now he was, you know, a big innovator for, you know, production in Bermuda. And like, it's, we, we have, we have so many producers in Bermuda that kind of like push for that same, you know, envelope. But I think it's more, just more recently we're starting to, you know, come together because I think everyone for so long, everyone's been kind of doing their own thing. But I think now everyone's mm-hmm. kind of not just collaborating, but building connections and friendships and mm-hmm. relationships and keeping it intact and started just saying, okay, we did that. Let me move on to the next thing. Right. And it is all about that. I mean, the art world and the the music world, these industries are all about like networking and building relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, yeah. your next project could literally be because of the project that you just worked on beforehand. I mean, that's exactly how I've been seeing and my career unfold as well. It's legit happened. <laughs> yeah, literally, just like that, um, just just by yeah. connections. So, And that's the yeah. thing, that's what's awesome about that is that we can all eat, you know, that we don't have to be in competition. We could all, like, literally have a piece of the pie and it doesn't mean yeah, that for real. yeah we, like we can literally break bread and we go all eat i think that's a huge issue in bermuda i think too as far as like us growing together is people a lot of people don't have that mindset of like you can be competition with your friends like you know what i mean like it, like if you have a healthy relationship with somebody and you respect the work like you can mm-hmm. still compete with them like it doesn't have to be like oh i can't i like, i have to leave them alone because that's my friend like it's they might need that like you know what i mean right. they might not say it to you or like signal it or they might not even know that they need that i found over the years even just like working my band dia like each one of us pushes each other further like somebody might come to rehearsal feeling a lot better than they did the day before or they may have you know practiced something that no one else has practiced and they feel that that extra edge and it gets noticed and Mm -hmm. that kind of pushes us all to be like well we can't you know you can't let him take all the shine like you know what i mean (laughs) it kind of makes you step your game up a little bit more and the same thing with the artist the artist kind of seeing one artist like oh he's putting in time and they're like maybe i should do the same too you know Mm -hmm. so um i think that's that's lacking in bermuda is kind of 
appreciating each other's growth and not just mm -hmm. appreciating it, but like studying it. Like what, what did you do to get from her to there? Cause you weren't there last year. Like no one right. has that, that, you know, that thought to take two seconds to ask somebody like, Hey, like what, what were you doing for the past year? Cause mm -hmm. you saw different or your, your, you know, your, your, your artwork is going from, you know, something that was like, okay to like, I, I want to buy something now, you know? Right. I think that's lacking in Bermuda, like that whole total communication and appreciation of like art amongst artists. Yes. And like the celebration. Because I think people that are not artists, they show, yeah, they show love, but I, I feel like there's a lot of love missing from people that do it like together, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I think it, it's a divide in every form of art form her, mm -hmm. just due to somebody feeling like, oh, like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing and, you know, they're doing nothing and started just appreciating each other. Right. And that's what's so interesting, though, too, about that is that, you know, instead of like the idea that, okay, this person's doing good and, you know, the, like I'm competing with this person, like people can literally come together and collab and be all her winning together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause it, like even for instance, like, if you do all uh, collab with somebody that has like a, a whole different body of like followers and, and fans from you, like, you know what I mean? Like some people would think, Oh, well, I might lose my fans to them, but not realizing like I could gain, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A whole new audience yes. from the other person. Like, you know what I mean? And that might not be your audience you're thinking in your head, but somebody that's within that audience might appreciate Mm -hmm. your art or the art that you created together so by because of that like they know you know they now have some sort of attachment to you to your work and I've, I've seen that like during work with certain artists with dia and then also with the old girl sessions like mm -hmm. just certain people that never even spoke to me or even realized i did what they did they i just work with that one person and they're like oh okay i, I okay that's what you do i get i right i see, I you, see now, you now I recognize right. what you do right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy but like that like sometimes that has to be done you know but yeah like when you pair with someone else it kind of creates like this um heightened visibility for both people or for both parties that are involved so mm -hmm. the idea of competition i think is is counterproductive to to all of us that are working in the industry in any art form in you know it could be visual it could be music it's better for us to work together than to be be low-key hating on yeah. other, someone else's success but yeah that's awesome yeah. you mentioned uh, dia your band can you talk about the inspiration behind the founding of dia dia um, was founded in 2010 so it's officially well officially 10 years old now i believe um, wow you guys have been all here working yeah, <laughs> and like the, the members have changed, but the core members, um, Scarlett, Thomas, the drummer, and I, will have been, you know, together since the beginning. And some artists are still working with us that started from the beginning as well, too, like Live Wires and um, Riddler, also known as Rowdy Piper. Mm -hmm. But um, DIA started shortly after I was with the first band I ever joined, which was Mohawk Radio. I don't like most people will probably know about Mohawk Radio. They were like all between like the late part of um, the last decade. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, around and, you know, jumping around and they were like the most popular band at the time. And, um, you know, things kind of like fell through and we disbanded. 
Right. And I still had that need and want to kind of do my own band. I think prior to Mohawk Radio, I was a little bit shy about playing and I wasn't quite sure about performing in Bermuda because I only knew like my father and his friends, which were all like legends. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. So I thought, mm-hmm. like, where am I going to play? Like, you know what I mean? So right. They, and it, it's funny, like right in that whole transition of me going from Mohawk Radio into like nothing, it was, I guess, a decline in like demand for live music in Bermuda. Cause it was once upon a time, my father was like working every other night and mm-hmm. making enough to pay the monthly bills just by doing strictly music. And he had a choice to do a second job. And within like, 10, 15 years, that all changed to everything scarce. And then by the time I got right into it, like, it's like nothing there. So mm-hmm. I'm looking around and there's like, you know, a handful of bands that have been around. I think it was like Secret Popo, Conscious, and, you know, like a few other, like um, Homegrown. They were like the, the top band at the time. And I was just thinking, like, I wanted a band with a different song. Like, everyone's doing reggae, everyone's doing this, everyone's doing rock, but no one's doing, like, that music in between. Right. And, like, how do I, like, you know, how do how do I get that? And I'm, the first thing I'm thinking is maybe I have to go away and do this. And the one rapper that was in the band, I was in Mohawk Radio, Case, he actually introduced me to Stick, the um, nonprofit charity mm-hmm. that I don't think the an operation fully any longer since they were burnt down on Front Street. But at the time, I was all new to Stick. Like, I had no clue, like, people would come together on Sundays. And, like, you know, I heard stories about it, but I just thought it right. was, like, you know cliche poetry and kumbaya and I wasn't really interested in that but I actually found out like you know what I mean a lot of cool musicians and artists actually just showed up and that that was the place to be if you were trying to express yourself as an artist so I had met a few other musicians and over time we had formed a band within Stick. and I think it was like after we did like one tour in New York of Stick we decided to actually form a band with its own identity mm-hmm. and its own energy. And Scarlett and I formed DIA. And from there, it, we kind of hit the ground running. I think the next year we did a, a tour with Chewstick and we actually branded ourselves with DIA at that point. When we got back, we had like a whole bunch of bookings because like we just, the, the buzz was like, I don't know, it was unreal. Like people were like, oh, like we want to book you. And we were like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people didn't realize that we um we played strictly original music at that time. So we didn't play any covers, no top footers, nothing. Like every artist had performed the music that they had written or produced or put out or whatever already. Mm-hmm. And some people took well to it and we had a good far decent following because people understood that music and they knew that music from I guess if they were at Tuesday or the CNS perform out. But we didn't get many gigs after like one summer because quickly we had to realize that to sell music in Bermuda it has to be cover music. Like people like promoters don't hire unless mm-hmm. you're playing what they think that the crowd will come out to her and they're definitely right. thinking, okay, like your song that you wrote it, that nobody wants to hear that, which is mm-hmm. which is crazy because we had to kind of change our whole set over the years. And I think we found a happy medium where we were able to um, fuse covers with Mm-hmm. The um with the original, so people would recognize the sound of the song, but we're not necessarily performing the actual song. So like we'll even split it half and half, or like half of the song was covered, and we'll slip in a couple verses that are original, and no one would really notice. They'd be like, "Oh, I've never heard this version of the song," and you realize that it's the artist's song, and then like people asking, "Okay, how do I get this song?" 
Mm. So over time, like we had to do a lot of, you know, trial and error, like what do people want to hear? Balancing that with what we want to do. Because I think our main goal was always to kind of play the music that we wanted to play, regardless of what people thought that they wanted to hear, you know? Right, right. So it definitely sounds like you guys had to adapt and <laughs> grow over the course of many 10 times, years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely an evolution. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. Like, you know, when you start off doing something, you might have like an idea of where, where you want to go in your mind, but then life happens and experiences and things and people that we come into contact with, like they shape us. And we kind of like almost end up in a place that we just didn't even imagine we could end up. Cause I'm sure when you first started out, I mean, back then, did you imagine that you would be doing something like your sunset series? No, I like that was probably the last thing on my mind. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's amazing how we can like evolve and things, ideas come up along the way. Yeah, like to be honest, like if I saw myself like 10 years ago doing that, like I would have laughed at myself, you know? Because <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure like I'm laughing at people like doing like acoustic stuff and I'm like, eh, it's your little, your little acoustic guitar on the side. Right. Like, that's funny, like, you know what I mean? But like you get you put yourself in that position and you're like oh this is actually cool like you know what I yeah mean? <laughs> it's dope I mean honestly when I saw it on Insta I was like yo I haven't seen nobody doing something like this in Bermuda I loved it yeah. I mean and that's my kind of vibe funny. anyway like, initially like people were just throw out I was like what are you guys doing like what like and I think before I did the outdoor sessions like a lot of stuff that didn't get recorded was like us like busking and ton mm-hmm. and that's kind of looked down upon in Bermuda because people were like, oh, you're broke. Like, you guys need money. Like, and it's like, no, man, we're out here performing on the street. Like, but yeah, like if you want to put money and donate because we can't charge people, it's no ticket, it's no gate. Like, so yeah, right. if you want to donate, <laughs> sure. But don't be, don't be a dickhead about it. But like, you get that one person that comes close and they drop a hundred dollars in the in the pot, like you know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. it would have been out of for half an hour and we all made like a hundred dollars to split between us. And the nice. next person comes in for twenty and then it's you know, by the end of the afternoon, you know, we're all taking home some no decent and like some people work an entire day shift for that. Right, exactly. Know? So and it's really all about perspective, really. Because I yeah, mean like you you can us, make more money like, doing what you love. <laughs> for real exactly all the time like some people are working at the jobs like for an entire week like you can you can make that like the same thing with art like you might not have like commissions every week but that one commission mm-hmm. you know what i mean could could be paying rent for, for the month for you a know? couple months yep for a couple months it all depends you know yeah like, if us it's different like if we get concerts it's a different rate from it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a different rate from weddings and then acoustic you know sunset gigs are also a different rate but because it's a smaller scale doesn't mean less like sometimes it means more because it's on a beach and that's more parameters involved and the the people are not worried about the course they want the vibe and they want the energy and they want everyone to 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 feel appreciated you know right that's awesome i wanted to ask you just the fact that you've been working in music like all of your life how have you seen the music industry change it changed drastically. Like it's going from from what I knew as a young child to be like live bands were like the pinnacle of entertainment to DJs becoming like the pinnacle of entertainment, mm-hmm. and then kind of like half and half like what I was you know more affordable. So like it's crazy, and that's that's a long conversation within within itself. Um, mm-hmm. 
because like even DIA, like we've been through so many trial and errors of like, like, what are we doing wrong? You know what I mean? Or like, what, what do we need to do better? Or like, are we okay? Like, you know, me personally, like I've seen like, you know, changes and certain entities hiring people for what they can do. And then I guess now in the present, they want to hire people for what they want them to do. Like, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, we know you guys can rock the, the party, but I want you to play this, 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 that. Mm. And I don't think you should play this, 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 and that. Like, I don't think that was a thing so right. much back in the day. Like, but no, that that's like a normal thing now for people to kind of give us like a set list or a guideline to play. You know, like basically like with DJs, like, and like no, no disrespect to DJs, it's a totally different monster. Like, the, like live music is a group of individuals performing, you know what I mean? Not just hit and play, like literally performing the music and translating that for people to understand it as what they enjoy. Like it, and that's a task within itself, like just getting the translation of course, and then maintaining that concentration of people once you, once you do that. So, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, a lot of promoters, like they kind of treat, you know, live bands or bands in, in general, like live performers as if like, oh, like it's just as easy as a DJ press play, but it's, it's not like it's, it's a disconnect now. Cause I think there's like a generation of promoters that think they know based upon like, you know, the, the blueprint or the template that was left before them. Mm-hmm. And I guess the original template is no longer a thought anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Live music, it's different because, you know, you have to, you're there, like you say, trying to communicate something specific with the audience right in that moment. You have to make that mm-hmm. connection with the audience. It's different. I personally couldn't do it. I would be nervous as hell. I'll be sweating. <laughs> I'll be freaking out. But um, yeah, so I have a, yeah, a whole level of respect for people who can perform live. Um, I think it takes guts and bravery for sure. So you perform live, you're a producer, you're a songwriter, you're a director, you do so many different things. Which of these things that you do like brings you the most joy? Um, <laughs> that's a funny question. Because <laughs> um, I, I, can, I can't pick just one. I feel like the rotation of it all because I don't do it all at once um brings me that kind of balance um so like in general like music I I think in general just maintains the happiness but if I had to pick one to stick with and like if I had to drop everything else and just pick one um it will probably be engineering Mm, okay yeah like like mixing and mixing like music. mastering or even or even doing like live like live engineering is my favorite because um like most of my knowledge from live music has came from mixing other bands like names i like so many names like jack jocure barrington levy um taurus riley nice um ashford and simpson i've done like song assistance for alicia keys beyonce ub40 like so many names like the list goes on mary mary right. um fred hammond um yeah like <laughs> so many people and like through like not just watching the artists but watching the bands and the music directors holidays what the setup is what the rod is so i can as an engineer you get to see 
everything about the show, like every piece of the show mm-hmm. that makes the show. So like even down to like that one little wind chime or that one little track that's got like vocals in it that you know what I mean? It it makes you sit in the crowd and you're saying like, yo, like this is the greatest artist of all time. Like you you're like, oh my favorite artist and the performance of my favorite song and it everything feels so right and you leave mm-hmm. the concert feeling like euphoric like yes like you you li- you're literally responsible for all of that <laughs> so yeah, and for me so that cool. like musically that brings me the most joy because like you can immediately like it's, it's something about like making a song and producing it and mixing it and putting it out and watching people repost it and it's on mm-hmm. the radio and everyone's like oh I heard your song like that's that's cool and that's like that that's like big love but like it's nothing greater than like live like you're sitting there and you're actually creating the song and everyone's reacting to it like right there and then right like in that present moment like i'm sure right in the present moment exciting and probably gets your adrenaline nerve-wracking as hell yeah i'm sure (laughs) just seeing like yeah i've had a couple artists like yell at me on stage i'm like oh You know what I mean? Like at the same artists will come to me at the end of the show and they'll be like, yo, like I saw you, man. You sorted my issue or you 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 made everything okay. Like it, I saw it wasn't easy and you made everything fine. Like, you know, so right. Um, yeah, that's that's a joy within itself. Like and then also like getting people's feedback and people like just hearing people talk about the concert afterwards, like, yo, that concert was so great, man. That like everything sounded good and like they don't may not even knew I had anything to do with it, but just by me hearing that. Right. You know, or seeing a review in the paper, like, oh, everything went well. Like, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like that's like one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting too, because I think, you know, especially like at a concert, for instance, I think a lot of love goes directly toward the performing artists specifically. But I don't think people really think about the all the work that the band actually has to do as well you know like they're yep. almost like there's this they, like distance and from the artist and the sound and everything else that supports the effectiveness of that performance of that mm-hmm. artist um so yeah bands mm-hmm. need more love <laughs> yeah for sure like because like when everything's all said and done like like no one really like some people care but like the mass majority of people they don't really care Mm-hmm. you know and it's the difference between like seeing an artist and i see it in bermuda all the time like people might see an artist and they're like man like yo, like that that was a good concert like and then that same artist might come back like a year later or two years later and they might have a different band and because that band has a different feel and it's a different song and that mm-hmm. that might be what the artist wants like you know Right. Like some people might not take well to that. They might be like, uh, his I think his lost this touch, but like they're not really computing what's actually happened. Mm, you know? That the band has changed behind the scenes. And yeah, and then even if it comes down to like the manager, like if the manager changes and the manager decides like I don't we shouldn't do your older album, I think we should do all the new stuff, like you know what I mean? And then like mm-hmm. or vice versa, you know, and then and then it could be the promoter as well, like the promoter say like um i don't have forty thousand to pay the band you had last time so can you bring a dj that's cheaper i can afford that like the performance is 10 times back now like and mm-hmm. no one's really calculating like oh last time it was a band that's why it was good like right. everyone's just like oh he was born i mean there was mogulish right i'm not gonna pay for that again like you know, like right but, like but like and 
and even people will go to concerts and not even like re like recognize like they'll just see the artist name and not even think like is a live band backing them or is it track because that's my immediate thought when they see artists on the flyers like is it mm -hmm. a live band or is it a dj because if it's a dj for me it's not worth it like i can go on youtube and watch that right you know <laughs> Yeah. But like a live band, like that's something you would want to see. Like if you see like Tony Dash sessions or even like yes. sometimes MTV on I love those. with yeah, like those are like dope, right? Mm-hmm. I love those. And then you have like bigger scale stuff like you know, MTV unplugged and all of that. And you might see like Snoop Dogg or somebody performing, you know, the hit song but with a live band and you're like, oh or even like the, the grammars, like that's a perfect example. The grammars and all the big watches, they usually have bands back the artist and right. it's a different feel it's, it's a different, different. Like, vibe to it yeah yeah and people see that and they're like yo i want that and then like they realize the cost of that and they're like oh oh no i can't do that but i still want to get the artist which is an option because they still want to get paid but mm -hmm. you know like the, the quality and the entertainment factor kind of changes with that you know yeah definitely it makes a huge difference for sure yep <laughs> Um, you've worked with many yep. <laughs> recording artists. Do you have any favorite projects that you've worked on with any of the artists in Bermuda? Still to this day, um, the Stealth Ninja Chronicles was like the first project I had did that was like, I feel, that was like my first public, this is my production, this is, I guess, the intro to my song and the artists that I think um, are Bermuda's most talented. That was like the whole decade and like yeah, about a, a decade ago, I released that, and it was like two volumes: the Stealth Ninja Chronicles, Volume One and Two. I think they're still up on that if you can access them, and maybe through my SoundCloud, I might have like links and stuff to get to it. That was like my first, I guess, stab at like working with my favorite artists and putting them all on my original beats, mm -hmm. mixing everything, recording everything. I work with you know local talents like Two Hearts, um, Case. Amari, Rowdy Piper, uh, Hayes, Hayes the Human has got so many different names now. I don't, I don't know what he uh, alias is, um, what his alias is now, but um, mm -hmm. other artists um, like Joy Bonham, Original Live Wires. I mean, like, the, the list kind of goes on, but those are like kind of like my, my favorites I, I know offhand. And like, I want to say like every song I'm done with them is, is a favorite like I it's, it's not one song I'm done where I'm like I don't I don't know about this one I just won't do it like you know what I mean or it won't it won't happen like even the recent times like like you know like I have like new favorites as well like Bosby mm -hmm. I think is one of Bermuda's um most talented rappers in his generation and um there's a few other rappers in his generation as well um the Cabana Music Group which consists of um Cabana Earl Cabana Ram also talented mm -hmm artist i mean hippie x and you know these are all guys that are you know are kind of making their own name and they're, they're kind of boosting their own brand from from the ground up i watched i, I literally watched those guys grow up from high school and like mm -hmm. the minute i saw them performing i think it was like they must have had like a talent show at, at barclay i was like working there at the time and i was they said it was some rappers performing and i kind of laughed and giggled like okay like who are, who, who are these guys and Right. They were actually pretty good. I gave them a few tips on how to sound better and how to present themselves. And right. they listened. It wasn't like they were like, oh, you know, then they listened. And then from there, like, they kept growing and growing and growing. Um, nice. So, yeah, like, it's, it, it's a lot. I don't want to leave nobody out. But, 
you know, um, pretty much everyone that I'm working with, I would say is a, is a favorite in my eyes. And I don't think any one project is bigger than the other. Bigger than the other, yeah. Nice. And it tells a story of the evolution as well. Yeah, definitely. Because when you look back on um, things that you have done in the past, it could be like, wow, like this is grown in this way. And look at where I am today. But then if I didn't do this, then I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have known this person. So it's like everything's interconnected. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. You've had an amazing career in music. I wanted to ask you, if you weren't doing music, what do you think you would be doing? Most likely game development or some sort of like animation or like mm, video. That's interesting. That's like kind of like my second love um right. like i was always interested in like videos um pit like cameras photography um and which is crazy because my daddy was like into cameras as well too like that was like one of his many thousands of side hobbies that he had yeah for, like for me like in illustration animation that was like also one of my favorite things like i that was my first like career choice was to get into video game programming and animation and i think i looked at the scholarship for full sale and it was like like half a million or something like that i was like no i can't right <laughs> i can't do that so right. um and even like even just getting into it and like you know presenting yourself for scholarships it was like you know it was a bit too far-fetched as opposed to like music but um definitely if i if i wasn't any good at music i would have pursued that so you would have still been an artist either way <laughs> Yeah, I would have been an artist. Yeah, some, some sort of. <laughs> yeah, or in some creative um, career path. I think once it's in you, I don't think it can leave you. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a a rat trying to get out of a tunnel. Like it's gotta find like like you know, it's somewhere it's gotta get out. Like yeah, I was gonna try its hardest to you know dig a, dig its hill somewhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed on your Instagram, which your Instagram is really cool, by the way. But I noticed that you have a healthy meal Instagram page where you share recipes. And we briefly talked about pescatarianism because we're both um, pescatarians. Um, but can you talk a little bit yeah. about uh, when you decided to make the transition into pescatarianism and how the change has impacted your life? So, yeah, that's <laughs> interesting, that journey, because I... I was always a foodie, like, I was always trying to figure out, like, how, like, my, my mother told me how to, like, cook at a young age, mm -hmm. um, and, like, because she worked crazy hours, so, like, it was either, like, we ate what she cooked, which was, like, you know, at her mercy, or, you know, pick up the pan and do what you gotta do, and right. over time, like, you know, my sister and I, we, you know, took well to, like, you know, trying different recipes and stuff, and, as I got older, I wanted to start, like, you know, like, cooking more crazier things. Like, the ideas would just pop into my head, you know, just mm -hmm. burning the midnight oil and all that, and you, you think about munches and whatnot. And I used okay. to do crazy stuff, but I think um, I ran into a health complication. It was, like, in 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. And... I like I went to the doctor and they he didn't really know what was going on. I went to the hospital, they couldn't really give me a definitive answer. And I was kinda getting frustrated because I'm like, I'm hard disturbed before people like saying, you know, like everywhere I go, nobody's got answers. And then the next thing you know, they wind up, you know, too late down the road with what I was mm -hmm. dealing with. And 
I just started working at um, Linda's doing organics, and the mm-hmm. guy that was I was working for, he um, Ross Flash. Some people might know him. He's like pretty well known in Bermuda. He actually put me on to eating vegan, and he was like strict vegan, like raw, you know, diet. Like he didn't eat anything out of a box, nothing on a package. Like it had to be like alive. Mm piece wow. of food that he was eating like had to be alive like you know mm-hmm. and um he was like a big inspiration for me because he like the diet that he was on I would have never imagined surviving like I'm like I, I, like how am I supposed to live eating salads and stuff like how, that, <laughs> how that's gonna work like you know right and I like he he broke a lot of misconceptions in my mind like you know what I mean mm-hmm. so as I was thinking about it and, you know, my health is like, you know, it's, it's cool, but every now and then I'm having these little issues. I'm like, oh, like I'm going to do something. I'm going to try something. So I started taking, you know, a couple of um, ideas he gave me and slowly get my feet wet. And I think once I tried a few things I wasn't used to mm-hmm. and a couple of meal replacements, I actually liked it. Like, you know what I mean? It was just a matter of like, my mind getting my mind around like okay I don't need a burger like I the salad can fill me up I just have to put the right amount of things in the salad to match what the burger would give the feeling that the burger would give me like you know what I mean or if I Mm -hmm. want a taco I can still have the taco like what what's the thing that makes the taco is the shell right you know what I mean so if I'm if I put a salad in the taco it's still a taco right but I can I can fill it up and put what I want in it to make mm-hmm. it taste good but you know I'm not it, it's not a chicken cheese you know or beef you're non-dairy you don't eat uh, cheese or non-dairy no? like like partially um like I, I'll stay like for the most part like I'm strict for staying away from it and if I do eat it like it's like purely by like you know, choice of me being like, you know, I'm not bothered about the milk part. Like, if like if it's a cookie and I know the cookie's like really good, like I'm not gonna like <laughs> okay. kill myself about right. you know, this milk part and like you know. But you know, like everything in moderation, because like I, I also have a belief that like when people make these transitions with the diets, like they have to be careful and be mindful of what they were eating before. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were have you any red meat or have you in you know dairy in your diet just taking that away like that like you can do it but you have to do it gradually like yeah. you know what I mean and yeah definitely sometimes your body might have that crave of like yo like you need to put that I need that I need some of that in my system mm-hmm. and you know like eating vegan is, is not easy or pescatarian it's not easy sometimes you forget like oh I might be low on iron right now I might be low mm. on magnesium or zinc and like the eating patterns may not be assisting that so you might have to like do something in you know in between to kind of balance it off so i think that's that's very important too um 2017 i i went into like a a strict dive into like being vegan like i went straight like go turkey like just everything vegan raw like and it was horrible i ain't gonna lie like for the first couple weeks or so it was like oh my god like i don't know i'm gonna do this and then you start to learn about different things and different recipes and you start to think outside of the box and things became all right, you know? And that kind of became my philosophy. Like, like, what am I actually doing to this? Like, and if I did the same treatment to a vegetable, it's, you know, is it less work? Is it more work? Is it, is mm-hmm. it going to taste better? Is it better for my, for my body, you know? Right. And 
I think after about a year of being vegan, I decided to go back to fish. Like I had tried fish and I was just like, I can't leave fish behind. The fish yeah. was too good. Like, you know, especially <laughs> local fish. Like yeah. you can't <laughs> you can't really beat that. So um I included that back into my diet and like cheese here and there and I like pretty much dropped any other dairy completely, like milk and all that type of stuff. I don't even deal with anymore. So pretty much you've seen, you know, your health and your body improve since you've been um, transitioned to pescatarianism. The vegan. Yeah, the first year I went vegan, I dropped like a, a whole bunch of weight. Like my whole body changed within like three or four months, you know? And mm. like people were like, oh, I think you lost too much weight. Like you're too skinny. And I'm like, oh, maybe I... Maybe I am, like, you know what I mean? But that was a good reset for me, you know, having that knowledge and belief that, like, I don't need over-exhausting physical activity to balance my body. And that and that might not, that's not going to work for everybody. That, you know, that was mm-hmm. luckily my my experience. But um, I have a huge belief that, like, people react to the diet. So whatever you're putting into your body will have an effect on how your body naturally transforms. Not only that, but, like, if you're in the gym and you're eating like, you know, McDonald's and KFC and Mr. Chicken, like your body's literally fighting itself. Yes. While <laughs> you're trying to push it through this whole motion of getting the transformation. Like that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting too, because when you think about it, it seems as if our diets are far more important. Physical activity is important, but important. I, yeah, but our eating is, way way more important we could survive off of um plant-based diet <laughs> in fact of i feel course. like I we're mean, supposed to be eating that way yeah no like for sure like we, we should be eating that way like I, I think that's where we started from and we just kind of like lost the way you know right um we definitely need to make a conscious effort i think to be a little bit more aware of what we're putting into our temples our bodies um, so we can eat sure. to live, you know. Um, but thank you for sharing about that. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what's your day-to-day routine like? Do you have any rituals or things that you do every day that's kind of like helped you while you've been on this journey, this music journey? Something that you pretty much like do every day or that's become a part of your everyday life? There's a few things. I don't think I do it like everything on a daily. Like I kind of like rotate it depending on like what five I have when I wake up. But one of the biggest things is playing music in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like just taking time out to kind of like allow the music to wake my brain up without me thinking about anything else other than that. Like like that, like right. I'm literally letting my mind set the mood and then. Then I start to look at emails and think about work and whatnot. Like the musical, that's the first thing I have to hear. Or um, if I don't do that, then it like that kind of sets the tone for the day. Like you know what right. I mean? It's gonna like if I don't do that, like it's gonna be a serious day, and I'm not gonna be like, I'm like I'm probably not gonna be open to um, changing my vibe from you know being so serious. But um, I think music like is like a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then eating, like, I like breakfast. Like, I know some people, like, skip breakfast. But, like, I think breakfast is, like, a huge part of my routine. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's, like, oatmeal, like, something quick. Or, 
like fruit, like it, it has to be something. Um, like all the things I, I take in the morning, usually like black seed oil, I take that like morning and night. That's like nice. a huge booster for yeah. me as well. Um, and like that's an overall total health supplement. And if you know one, if you're heard about black seed oil or you're not like quite sure about it, like trust me, like the first couple of days a week, you might be like, nah, it ain't worth it. The taste ain't worth it. But trust me, like after a, a year, a couple of years of use, like you will notice the difference. Mm-hmm. And like you, you definitely, like it definitely serves like its, its purpose on this earth. Um, and of course, I definitely encourage a lot of people to try that. And um, also like burning Palo Santo, like sometimes I like to do that in the morning as well too, to kind of like, you know, get rid of any negative energies and, and mm. concentrate on, you know, positive aspects of the day. Yes. I love that. I love to hear about how people ground themselves because it's important. I think it, it shapes us. And like, like you said, if you don't do it in the morning, then that kind of sets the tone for your day. Yeah. So that's the thing, like a, a practice that you have for yourself, it looks different for everybody. And so we just yeah. have to all like find whatever works for us. But it's nice to hear that you, you know, you do have things that keep you grounded. I'm, I'm actually not surprised. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like I have, I have like crystals and stuff. Like I know a few people yeah. that like, you know, I'm right into, you know, people and they're like, oh, you're like, what type of crystals that? Like I have this and I have that. And it's like a whole conversation within itself, like just mm-hmm. from that, like, you know what I mean? And that's like a important part of my day to day as well too. Like, you know, like just having certain energies around me yeah all the time just to keep the consistency of my, my mood will be like well what my i'll strive to to project into the world like and it's usually mm-hmm. always positivity so um i'm gonna snap to that because that's awesome yes that's, that's like very that's very important because like if like like i said like if i if i if i'm on a negative mood like that's gonna seep into you know what i'm projecting and then that might rub off on somebody else and like i know exactly what it's like to receive negative how that can kind of throw me off like so like i i'm very mindful of wow, what else i push out into the world yeah definitely it starts with us we have to be the change we want to see so we want to see positive we have to embody yeah, that positive yeah. even if you're surrounded by negativity you have to like separate the positive movement within that and capitalize on it put all your energy into what's that because if you don't then you're just gonna get swallowed back into eh, it don't even make sense because this and all that or her or other like you know just figure out what what's making you happy or what's keeping you happy and make sure you take care of that first um i think that's um important too like a, a mindset i like to keep on a daily is happiness first mm-hmm. if yes. you're not happy like whatever you're doing you're gonna burn yourself out and you're gonna get tired or you're gonna get annoyed or you know someone else is gonna be you're gonna feel like someone else is overtaking you or you know enjoying the happiness and you can't even see it coming like you know what i mean like um and that might be just focusing on one thing that's not making you happy or putting the thing that makes you happy to decide for something that you think is more important or someone else might think is more important. Definitely. I completely agree. If we all were responsible for our own happiness, I think the world would be a much better place because we will rely less on, you know, seeking outside validation. Derek, you have left us with so many jams and (laughs) I am so humbled and so honored to have you on. But one last question I wanted to ask you 
before we wrap yeah. things up is what is the best advice that you've been given and what advice could you leave for artists or musicians who want to pursue a career in music? I guess with life, um, I'll start with life first. Um, mm -hmm. Just in general for life, the most in, important thing someone's ever taught, told me, again, Ross, Flash, um, I think we were arguing about whether the earth was like flat or not or something like that at the <laughs> job. And he kind of like stopped us. He was like, hey, look, like you guys have been here for a minute. And we were like, hey, what's your thoughts? And he, because it's wise, right? And he said, mm -hmm. I'm going I'm to tell you like a wise Ross someone told me. He said, look, like you guys could sit here and argue about things that many men have died over like for years and generations have been lost and all sorts of people disappear trying to figure out things that they can't control or they have no idea about. Mm -hmm. You could sit there and waste your time like them or you could just leave it alone and let, let it do what it has to do. Concentrate on what can be controlled and what can be changed and you'll, you'll be much better off in life. And yeah, like that, that changed my mind in so many different ways. Like it was crazy. And also um, this guy from India, Master Sadhu, I ran into him like years prior to that. And he told me like something about myself on a spiritual level, which I, did, I didn't even understand until like time after. And he told me that um, like he physically like crossed his hands in front of me. And he was like, like right now your spirit is doing this. And mm -hmm. he opened his arms and he was like, you need to start doing this more. Like, that's the only oh, thing wow. I see wrong with you. And I was like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, I didn't even peep it, but at the time I was like, started to make changes and, you know, invite certain people into my life that I didn't normally associate with. And that changed everything for me. That opened like so many different doors to do this, so many different things, like all the great things that, you know, I'm told you I'm done. Like, mm -hmm. like all of that came for me opening my you know my horizons and brought into my horizons to you know accept things mm -hmm. that I thought were weird or different like I essentially want to pass that on to anyone that wants to be like a you know an artist a musician producer mm -hmm. um be open like never close yourself into a box and say I want to do specifically this and I know a lot of people say that that's the way to go to create identity but like honestly like identity can only get um strengthened and defined by pieces of other people's yes identity um there's no great musician that just was like oh i'm her and then this is my style that no one's ever seen before and i did it all by myself like they have pieces of people that came before them mm -hmm. which made them who they, who they are so um I would be afraid to take, you know, a piece of somebody that resonates with you and add that to yourself. And mm. Yes, that's real. <laughs> um, that's so beautifully and eloquently put when you think about the idea of identity and, you know, how it's made of like a combination of different experiences or, you know, people, pieces of yeah. people that you've come into contact with. And it's so true that we we don't mm -hmm. live in a vacuum like we're all interconnected and we who we are is shaped by our experiences and by other people as well so if, if we're taking like beautiful things from the people that we meet we're we're a combination of mm -hmm. that yeah for sure it's like yeah. it's a giant it's a giant classroom like we're all in a giant classroom learning about mm -hmm. life <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um but thank you so so much thank you so so much for coming i wanted to ask you one last thing thank you before we wrap it up what's next for you 
what's next um well coronavirus i can't really <laughs> i can't really imagine what's next but um, i think I that's all like of us <laughs> I would like to say look out for So Well Done. Um, There's a few things I'm working on um, that was supposed to be in motion for this year, but um, hopefully by the end of this year, and depending on how rental goes, um, next year definitely mm -hmm. we'll be looking at like um, small events. So nice. you can actually taste it. Like you ain't got to drool and look at it and actually <laughs> you can pull up and purchase a plate or whatever I decide to do. Um, so look, stay tuned for that. And also more outdoor sessions. I'll be doing like plenty more of those throughout the next few weeks. Um, mm -hmm. for the rest of the summer, should be um pretty much a packed schedule for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have my first so EP drop in hopefully at the end of the summer. Oh, that's exciting! So stay tuned for that. Like I'm actually this is like my first project I'm putting out with like me performing and singing and producing on every single track nice. um it's a few features but like mainly just me as a, as a solo artist wow that's amazing well it sounds like you're really busy putting on lots of projects and you know being productive i'm so happy for you and I, i'm really wishing you all the best with everything that you have thank coming you. up thanks for being here Derek. Yeah. thank you it's been a pleasure I, i've enjoyed this this is um a great opportunity to reason for somebody but also push information out there as well too what you're doing is like really great too because like we need more of that like people kind of getting information and sharing you know what's just going on in people's minds of course like you know on a platform where people can can access it easily definitely well thank you for being a part of it it's people like you that actually make it possible so thank you so much for being here again thanks Please share with friends, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us online at theartifacts.com and on Instagram at theartifacts. If you'd like to send us a message or to suggest an artist that you'd like to see on the show, please connect with us at theartifacts at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you our upcoming episodes. Peace and blessings. This recording is copyrighted by Jude Hassel and all rights are reserved.